Hello, friends. Welcome to another episode of the TFC Audio Project. On this episode of Shop Talk, Mike and I cover the five pillars of health and do a recap of our recent trip to Costa Rica where we taught on an amazing retreat. We go through what we feel are the five important elements of health and how the retreat let us tap into each of them in a way that modern society tends to take us away from. This episode of The Audio Project is sponsored by TFC Footwear. Right now, our team is collaborating with unique individuals and brands from around the world to create foot-friendly footwear that's handmade, and it's a division of the company that we'll be expanding in a big way when we crowdfund our first in-house piece of footwear called the FC 1.0 at the start of 2020. We still have lots of work to do before then, and we'll keep you updated along the way. This episode is also sponsored by our travel partner, Nanook Protective Hard Cases, which we use to transport gear and equipment to seminars and workshops. They make super high-quality cases that keep your electronics safe during travel, and you can check out their cases at nanook.com, N-A-N-U-K.com. That's it for sponsors, so let's dig into this episode. Hope you enjoy. It's the TFC Audio Project. It's a collective effort. Help people understand their bodies, starting at the feet are the gateway for people to see that there's an issue. You know, a foot conversation is always a whole body conversation. Hey folks, Nick and Mike here, back for another episode of Shop Talk. Today what we're going to talk about is, we just returned from a retreat in Costa Rica that was organized by Caveman Strong and Tribewire Nocera. They did an awesome job, it was an awesome experience. So today what we want to do is recap a few parts of it and relate the elements to what we consider to be the five pillars of health. So talk about how different parts of the uh, of the retreat pieced into those five pillars um, and, and just kind of the beneficial elements of the retreat. Um, so we're going to run through that. I think probably just the first, well, first off, <laughs> definitely started off a little bit rough. You know, we finished a 20-hour travel day. Uh, we got really good priced flights, but it came at the expense of some big layovers, which actually the layovers themselves aren't bad because, yeah. you know, we both get some work done in the airport. You stand around, walk around barefoot, get some funny looks. Um, but, you know, all the sitting in planes and then to finish it off, uh, we arrived kind of late. Um, so at about 11 p.m., uh, we <laughs> we went and grabbed a rental car and... Long story short, it was about a three-hour drive finishing at 3 a.m. through the jungle. We got lost. The roads are essentially uh, like a rally cross um, <laughs> track. They're really not roads. You have to go like 20 kilometers an hour or else the, the, the tires fall off your car. So after a bit of a rough start, we made it at 3 a.m. Um, and it was it was all smooth sailing from there. So it definitely, um, yeah, it was worth it in the end. Oh, yeah. So let's talk about five pillars of health that, you know, and this is kind of our take on the on, on what the pillars of health are and it's probably going to evolve and change as time goes on. But the way we're thinking of it right now is sleep, nutrition, movement, stress management, and community. And so, you know, different things fit under those headlines. But um, let's basically go through each one individually and talk about how, how the retreat uh, kind of filtered in and helped enhance those pillars. So let's start with sleep. So I don't know about you, but I, there were some good sleeps in Costa Rica. Yeah, I think it was just, it got back to the natural way of sleeping. Yeah. And Alex, one of the one of the members of TribeWire, uh, Alex Herrera, who you'll hear him on another podcast, he was mentioning that first day. He's like, just watch, you'll you'll end up going to bed early and you'll end up waking up early. Yeah. And that's just what happened because it was just like, 
you would wake up with all the other animals and you'd wake up with the sun. Those are the two things that would wake you up in the morning. And yeah. it was like clockwork. It was around like for me about 5.30 a.m. Because you'd hear the howler monkeys going <laughs> and you'd hear the birds. And it's like everything else was arising. So it's like, well, I'm going to rise too, right? Yeah. And everything else was arising because the sun was arising. So everything's like, okay, well, the sun's up. Let's get up. Every other species. And it's like, we're no different. Yeah. Um, so it felt very natural just you know, get yourself out of bed at five thirty, and then just make your way down to the the common area. And you feel you feel like part of the animal community when you're there. Mm-hmm. And you're right, the sunlight hitting you. So like our windows allowed some natural light to get in when the sun came up. But first of all, first of all, if you haven't heard of a howler monkey before, um, I encourage you to go on YouTube and hear what they sound like because it is it sounds violent. Like these things yell at the top of their at the top of their lungs, um, and and it was a very that and the wild turkey gobbling at five thirty six a.m. was a um, was a beautiful natural alarm clock. And yeah, it was way more. It was actually even though it was kind of an they were intense sounds. They were way more tolerable than something like an artificial beeping noise on a phone. I don't know what it was, but you yeah. kind of like woke up and you're like okay, and and you you know most mornings I didn't wake up very groggy. Like you, your eyes open. You spend two, three minutes in bed, and then you're like, okay, I'm ready to go. Mm-hmm. You know, it was like a, a more restful sleep. Um, and I think one of the reasons for that was, yes, there was um, there was Wi-Fi. Like, there was internet in the central kind of eating area. But in all the rooms, there wasn't. Mm-hmm. Right? Like, it was only in one area, which I think was beautifully engineered. One thing I would add is only making Wi-Fi available certain times of the day to limit how much people are using it. Um, but the fact that you didn't have screen access in your room or internet access in your room made it so that you really weren't looking at screens. Yeah. Right. And I think that was part of the restful sleep is you don't have a tendency to be looking at screens before you go to bed. Um, That was part of like the getting to bed early piece. Right. So I think a big, so waking up was, was easy. And that was, it's almost like, it's so weird because every other animal it's, it's like, we think we're so smart, but then every other animal's like, well, why do you, what do humans have trouble sleeping? It's like, <laughs> well, the sun's up, you wake up, and when the sun goes down, you go to bed. And it's like, that's what every other species did. So the waking up piece was kind of easy. Um, the going to bed part was also easy. And I think that the other pillars of health that we'll talk about played into that quite nicely. Mm-hmm. But like you say, getting to bed, um, once you got to your room, no screens, no computers, uh, no TV, nothing to, to kind of keep you occupied. Because usually you'll go back to a hotel room and then it's like, okay, you know, for the next hour, I'm going to pop on the TV or, mm-hmm. or whatever and just kind of wind, try to wind down that way. But there was none of that. It's like, get to the hotel room. Well, okay, we, I think we read a few a few nights, but then it was like right to, right to bed. You're reading and you naturally fall asleep like half an hour later. Or you're just chilling with people like that shallow, that new structure that they had built is basically plopped in the middle. It's kind of like down a path and it's in the middle of the jungle. So you hear all the cicadas and all these kind of weird jungle sounds. There's no screens. The light is very, it has like a yellow hue to it. Those those uh, chain lights that they put in there. So mm-hmm. very subtle light. And you're just in there chatting with people immersed in the jungle before you go to bed. You know, you're talking mm-hmm. about the day, talking about the week, whatever it was. Um, and I, it was very, it's one of those things where you're right. All the other pillars kind of feed into it. But when you're super hungry at the end of the day and you feast, that helps you get into sleep, rest, and digest mode. Mm-hmm. Um, the sunset, the fact that this, when the sun goes down, I don't know. It's something that I did that I don't get here in Canada. It's like when the sun goes down, you immediately have a, a switch that flicks, and it's like, okay, now I'm I'm getting tired. Like my eyes become heavier. It was, it was you just you sense a feeling of being just so tuned in to the daily 
you know, the natural cycle, um, your, your sleep cycle aligns very well with the light cycle of the planet. It was very cool. Yeah. It's like, cause we watched the sunset every night. So it was like everyone together is like, okay, well the sun's going down. That mean it kind of signifies that probably, uh, like both consciously, but also unconsciously, like neurochemically, it's just like your body's getting primed to sleep because the sun and all that, that light energy has gone away. So, and you brought up a good point. We think of ourselves as these like higher beings than the rest of the animals in the environment, but being in nature, being in the jungle, being connected like that, you're like, yeah, we're just another animal, you know? Mm -hmm. Yeah, sure. We drive around in cars and we have cell phones, but we are literally just another animal in the jungle. We're not far from, far removed from when we were, that was us. Yeah. And I think being there, you just kind of are like, okay, this makes more sense. Yeah. I think that's a common theme. We could probably almost add that as a bonus pillar is reconnecting with nature. Yeah. But that feeds into all the other ones as well. Because one thing is just, you'll hear when you're laying down, like the communication between different like birds, the the monkeys, you'll hear, you're like, oh, they're all just kind of talking, right? Mm -hmm. They're all just communicating. We're also communicating with with each other. Uh, But again, it's this weird sense of like, oh, we actually aren't really, this is, this is what we are. We're just another animal, right? Yeah. Um, super, super weird how we view ourselves, ourselves differently. But then you hear like birds will come around and you're like, you get this feeling like they're, they're communicating about you too. When we were all kind of laying down and meditating, you hear these birds come over and you're like, wait a minute, they know we're here. They're not stupid. Right. Um, and the monkeys too, the monkeys came around the shallow one day and they were yelling and stuff like that. And it's like, they definitely know we're here. They're yelling at us, probably. For right? sure. Like it's, talk- it's, yeah. It's I got like, that feeling, We too. think they're like, oh, there's monkeys. They're doing their thing. It's like, no, no, they're yelling at us, right? Yeah. So or they're talking to each other about it. <laughs> I remember that was hilarious. When we did that uh, group meditation, everything is completely silent. And then all of a sudden, monkeys just burst out yelling. Yeah. And it's like, yeah, they're probably talking about how ridiculous it is that we're just sitting down doing some weird um, silent, you know, group thing where everyone's just sitting down, not talking, which was awesome. But it was also like, yeah, the animals are probably like, look at these silly humans yeah, sitting down and doing some specific thing in the middle of the jungle. But that's kind of just a, a nice, it's a calming feeling to, to feel that, um, that feeling that you're just like a part of it. And, yeah. and it just, it brings you like grounds you more so, um, I think psychologically grounds you back to where oh this is it just feels right it feels more right yeah. and it feels like that's what helps bring that stress down right it, it's just a help it's healthy stress management just getting into nature yeah um and the whole sleep thing like when you sleep better everything else is better you have a higher capacity for movement you have less stress um your your body just becomes more attuned to being able to connect with people and all that kind of stuff so i think sleep is like the reason we mentioned sleep as the first pillar is because i think and, and that's something where, you know, we're going to go back next year and do another one with Caveman. We'll probably have, you know, 10 or 15 spots of our own that we can fill uh, through TFC. And then the year after in 2021, we're going to do a much bigger one where we'll have certain round, like we might do four consecutive weeks or something like that. But I think one element that we should get in there next year, you know, what we try and do at TFC is take information from really smart people, distill it down to the most powerful uh, kind of tangible um, parts and then educate people and give people information, right? And I think sleep is one of those things where, you know, we've both read uh, Why We Sleep by Matthew Walker. He was on a podcast with Rogan, super smart dude when it comes to sleep. I think we need to take all of what he's made, whether it's, re- you know, going through the book and reading it and, and distilling out the powerful parts. We need to give a one hour education session about sleep. So that mm-hmm. needs to be in there next year. One, because I want to learn how to explain sleep better to people. It's one of those things where, you can sleep very poorly for a long time and not have any direct effects. Like you don't have like not sleeping pain, 
that's specific and you're like, oh, I know why this is happening. I know why I'm super stressed. I know why I'm fatigued. It's because I'm like people don't make the connection between feeling shitty and not sleeping well. And I think mm. it's part of it is just they don't have the right information to understand why sleep is important so that they actually choose to emphasize and prioritize getting eight hours of sleep every night. So, um, And the that, beauty is the environment just the environment just dictated your sleep for yeah. a big part of it. and But there's other things you could touch on in terms of maybe tangible ways back home yeah. list, from what you learned in that environment. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, but I think that's a good idea. And we'll do a podcast on sleep because that'll be a good warm up to making us just kind of research and, and figuring out how to best word this so that people understand the importance of sleep. Because it is one of these things that like, okay, eight hours a day, you can't get food, you can't protect your young, you can't defend yourself. If if that is not completely 100% essential for an animal to function, that was a huge mistake in evolution that we mm-hmm. messed up taking eight hours of our day, making it non-productive, making it so that we're completely vulnerable, right? Evolution doesn't usually screw up. So that's probably a damn important eight hours. We just have to get better at conveying to people why it's so important and then giving people strategies of how do you get closer to that. Like all yeah. animals sleep. Mm-hmm. Right, different so different amounts, but for humans, we've found that that like eight hour yeah. window is key. Okay, so let's so that was sleep. You just get way attuned to a natural sleep cycle. You end up being able to have this reserve of recovery every day, where you start the next day afresh with a good recovery period, and you're ready to go again. So sleep is a big one, and being in that environment, going according with sun sunrise, sunset, natural animal sounds, all that kind of stuff. Um, it just facilitated really good sleep. So mm-hmm. that was one way. Um, that was the first pillar. The next one is nutrition. And I think um, number, number one, we feasted. Oh, yeah. Like I ate so much food. If <laughs> I tried to think back on the last day, I'm like, if we piled up the amount of food that we each ate on a table at the end of the trip, we would be, <laughs> we'd probably be disgusted. Yeah. But, but one thing is okay. Number one, yeah, you're feasting, but you're feasting because you've earned the right to consume tons of food because of how much movement and energy you burn that day. Yeah. And number two, that food is not crap. It's like natural food, locally sourced, high in nutrient density. Um, it was tasty. It was tasty. And it was tasty in a way that was not, you didn't have to add sugar or all these weird things to trick your brain into thinking it was tasty. It was tasty because it was fresh. Yeah. It was tasty because the chefs put just like, they really use like the natural way of cooking in that area, you know, that, that, um, you know, simple spices, simple oils make simple foods taste super delicious. Um, and, and yeah, it was a nice mixture of um, <clears throat> veggies, fruits. The fruits that we had in the morning were great. Yeah. Um, and then there's just you know, protein sources, high fat sources, like that ghee that we had every morning. I would just yep. load that on the eggs and everything. Locally sourced grass fed ghee. Um, Very simple stuff. Yeah. It was just fresh eggs. Fresh eggs. Yeah. So. I think it's just, and that's a big part is like you get attuned with your appetite more. It's like, oh, I did more. You just feel like you're hungrier. So you can keep, like I, I would eat a plate and I'm like, I'm actually still hungry. So I'm going to eat a bit more. Yeah. But I think it just plays into the fact that like, oh, you look at what you did that day. Like you did a beach run in the morning. You did a workout after. You did a mobility session after. You went surfing. Oh, okay. So this makes sense now. Yeah. Right. So back home, it's like we eat sometimes because it's just a habit of eating. It's like, well, a lot of people just eat breakfast, they eat lunch, they eat dinner, mm-hmm. and they eat a certain amount. But they, it's like, well, are you just eating because that's a habit of yours, eating at that, those times? What did you do that day? Yeah. Right? Did you, did did you, you earn expend the right to take no energy that day or did you expend a lot? Yeah. Um, do you eat the same amount every day? Right. So, so like, let's say you 
you did a crazy work and it moved all day. A lot of people just eat the same amount regardless every day. Yeah. So I found like, especially those days that we did a lot of activity, I would eat accordingly. I'd eat more to, because I just felt it. So it's reconnecting yeah. with that. Um, same thing with the, the, uh, drinking water. Like you'd go out and you'd just be sweating all day. So you'd just naturally be drinking cause you're thirsty. Yeah. Right. So you just, and we'd have a lot of those coconut waters too. But, but again, it's just like drink cause you're thirsty and eat cause you're hungry. Like it, again, it's simple, like sleep because you're tired and wake up because it's light, like sleep when the sun goes down, exactly. wake up. Um, it's more so very, very simple stuff. And, and when he says coconut water, he literally means someone picks a coconut, takes a machete, chops it off, and gives you a natural cup of coconut water. And it wasn't that sweet. That was one thing I noticed. It was not that sweet. And also, when I got it on my hands, my hands weren't sticky. I think they definitely process a lot of the coconut waters. Yeah. And, and at, like there's probably some additives because, yeah, it was less sweet. And it was just, it was just a natural good flavor to it. Oh, I found. It was so good. And you just like scoop out the coconut flesh and, and eat it after. Yeah, mm-hmm. that was... Uh, and the fruit so it was interesting what one guy said so at a lot of the places we went and did tree planting at the end they they do this thing where when you get there they'll give you a coconut uh coconut water that they freshly chop off and at the end of some of the activities they'll give you pineapple so they'll have two fresh pineapples the guy will just come over and hack it up with a machete uh and just hand you pineapple the pineapple there was so delicious it was better than candy like you oh, can't, yeah. nature has it dialed way more than any candy company because that was the most delicious pineapple. And what the guy said was now that people are getting into pineapple farming in Costa Rica, they're actually um, starting to take away the crown from Hawaii as growing the best pineapples in the world because the climate is so good and yeah. now it's becoming worth it for farmers to grow them. So they're, they're growing them on a larger scale. Um, they look a lot different. So I was just at the grocery store yesterday and I looked at the pineapples they had there and the pineapples were like mostly almost like a green skin to them with a bit of yellow yeah there it was like a bright yellow yeah yellowy brown but very bright yellow it's almost orange. They look different and they just look way way different and uh and like you say like a lot of times you'll you eat a pineapple here and it's like half of half of it is almost like that hard kind of core core stuff and yeah. there it was just like the whole piece was just yeah pretty much ate the core almost and yeah. it was still soft and fleshy that one guy was literally eating the core like corn on the cob and was just <laughs> polishing it yeah. <laughs> um yeah so so on the nutrition element you know we always and we're going to do a follow-up nutrition podcast i think soon because I, i've i've kind of started to delve into it a little bit more and i think there's more stuff to talk about we only scratched the surface on the first one we did and that was the whole purpose of that right we're not nutrition experts but we want to create almost like a timestamp of okay this is how we're thinking of food nutrition right now this is how it's going to evolve but one thing is flavor and nutrient density are one and the same Mm -hmm. right like why do you like the taste of something because there's stuff in there that you're designed to to get rewarded for that's good for you now back in the day refined sugar was very hard to find so that that is now being engineered with super refined sugar so it's actually going to our detriment but when a tomato tastes really good when it, when you eat a salad and it tastes really delicious and there's like a very deep flavor and it tastes good that's because that is fresh right it's because that was picked not long before that it's because it's loaded with nutrients so nutrient density and flavor go hand in hand um, and, and it's the same reason why you can buy the most beautiful looking tomato in the world at the grocery store and it tastes kind of bland. It's because mm-hmm. that thing was engineered for the aesthetic and you can't engineer in flavor to kind of mask the fact that that tomato was picked three weeks ago in Mexico and flew a thousand kilometers to get to your grocery store. You know, that's exactly. no longer, and it was probably grown in nutrient poor, nutrient deficient soils. Whereas a tomato grown in super high nutrient soils that was picked fresh off the vine within a day or two 
that that's a totally different taste. And people, mm-hmm. it's hard to describe that because um, it, it's it's like a sensation, right? When someone eats it and they're like, wow, that tastes really good, they get it. But if you say that, they're like, yeah, yeah, whatever, you know? So it's a hard it one It's funny because everybody there at the retreat was saying the same thing. And everybody was talking about the pineapples. And, and the pineapples were given out at uh, like the end of these activities that we did and it was like that was kind of like in their culture the thing to do almost right yeah it's like okay you you worked hard and now here's a here's like a nice it was like better than any gatorade you get right so it's like oh my god this just feels like i need this right now it's like a treat at the end it's like a treat and it gives you a little shot of energy but it's also just tasty and had the water content in it um so it just yeah they kind of know it's almost like they knew what they were doing from a nutritional standpoint it kind of made sense yeah and they don't do that because they think, oh, this is good for macros or this is good for that. It's like, no, this is just culturally what people do. If you do a big day of exercise, you eat some sort of fruit that's high in sugar and it's like your energy repletion after you've earned it. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think, yeah, I, I really, the whole intuitive eating thing that you said where you eat according to how much activity you do, you drink according to how thirsty you feel, um, it, it just made, it plays into the whole thing of just re, getting reattuned with your body, not eating because it's a scheduled eating window, eating because you're hungry. And it's at a, at a point in the day where you're, you know, number one, you can feast without feeling like a bag of shit after. Yeah. Because the food is not, your body's not fighting the food. It's actually embracing the food as nutrient dense fuel that it's going to process. Mm-hmm. And one thing I noticed is that despite the amount of food we were eating, not as much came out the other end. <laughs> so, <laughs> you know, I think more of it, I honestly think that more of it is getting absorbed, was getting yeah. absorbed by my body because there was just... There wasn't a whole lot of synthetic, unnatural stuff added into it. There wasn't not a lot. Of, there wasn't a lot of processed carbs. You know, the only bread that was there was sourdough bread that they baked every day, and you again, know, naturally fermented. And it was, I think, it was different. Yeah, um, we're so confused on diet here. Yeah, but again, that just shows you, like, I'm hungry. I should eat. Like, <laughs> the most simple a... thing we're confused about. <laughs> yeah, we're very confused uh, about the sleep. But so far, we're confused about the, like the two pills we started with. Um, you want to move on to the third pillar? Yeah. So nutrition, so sleep, nutrition. Next one is movement. And movement was a big one. I mean, that was almost the the focus of the, the whole retreat. The, the, the seven, yeah, the retreat. Um, one thing I noticed is that we didn't really... So we, we had a, a part where we teached every day for about an hour. Um, so did Tyler of Caveman Strong. We had Alex from Move and Play. Um, I think we just naturally... We didn't even plan this, but we got in a nice variety of movement, mm-hmm. um, different types of movement between all three of us, um, and that kind of fit well together. So we focused a lot on, well, we, we did the educational piece, but we were heavy on some mobility, footwork, mm-hmm. um, almost like down regulation, uh, restoration sessions. Whereas, yeah, we kind of did the recovery stuff, yeah. which was and needed. we because... kind of, on the fly, decided that too, part of it, because yeah. we saw what, what was happening. Um, Tyler was the strength caveman strong, right? We, we got in strength, we got in some endurance and cardio work. Um, we did a touched on a bit of mobility stuff too, and uh, and some cool elements like uh, locomotion and crawling patterns and all of that. Um, so nice variety in what he taught, and then Alex um, was all at the play. It was about exploring different movements. Uh, move and play is his brand, so that's kind of what we did, right? We we explored some uh, again crawling locomotion patterns, uh, some elements of dance, and mm-hmm. a bunch of other stuff. So it still got people moving, but in just different ways, and it got it kind of made you think. It connected that like thinking part to to try to like move your body in different ways that no one was really used to. Yeah. So that was a kind of a cool element. Um, well, two things with Alex's part. Number one, I, I found his partner drills. Um, his partner drills were awesome 
Yeah. And the way he educated before we even did the drills was very powerful. He said, when you're doing these partner drills, like the foot tracing one was a very mm-hmm. cool one where you're touching the other person's foot. And this is definitely going to be a short foot drill that we put in the seminar. Touching the other person's foot, one person's leading, one person's following. And that was like a trend that followed into a lot of the partner stuff. It's almost like a dance. One person leads, one person follows, and then you switch roles. And the way you talked about having a nonverbal communication, having a nonverbal conversation. So you're not speaking. You're speaking through touch. You're speaking through guiding a person. And through movement, right? And through movement and, and through following. Like, it was just so powerful. And then the other thing is him talking about how he got like he got a a yoga retreat in and he was doing a play session and no one knew how to play Mm -hmm. people thought that just being goofy and like throwing shit everywhere and going like "Ah, was play and they thought that goofy non uh, conscious movement and just being like silly was play and he really had to ingrain the fact that no play is a conscious effort to do a, a a a foreign kind of novel challenge and try and slowly gain mastery of this kind of playful creative movement and it totally shifted my perspective in the way he described it and that's been studied too from other animals and you mentioned that too if you look at other animals play it's not this oh hee hee silly right yeah um it's like a lot of times half of it looks like they're actually fighting almost to the death right for sure so, so like with dogs they're and again the difference between play is that they're not actually trying to kill each other but they're wrestling they're they're you're they're being physical with each other yeah. um they're chasing each other like at high speed like it's a serious game right um it's all serious stuff um, but it's still play. And the difference is, again, it's in the intentions of it. It's the intent of it, right? Yeah. Um, you're not trying to actually kill a person. You're, you're trying not. to discover your limits. Yeah. Right? Like, and so you, but he, he tried to make it more like, no, let's get serious about this. Let's, let's actually play and let's actually, um, compete in a lighthearted manner here or, or whatever, figure out how far we can push each other's limits, that type of thing. Um, so I, I like that element of it. And I liked how he, uh, he made the comparison to his dog. So when he goes yeah. up to his dog, his dog can be, you know, flicking the switch of going into play mode from a very like relaxed mode. So his dog might be lying down, like kind of half asleep. As soon as he walks up with the tennis ball, the dog's like, boom, okay, I want to play. What mm-hmm. do I do? Let's get this going. You know, like it's a complete shift in mindset and it's... Well, it's parasympathetic, sympathetic, and we get very, very poor at that. If we're already riding around in sympathetic state, low level sympathetic state at all times, right? We, we just get very like, and then the dog after the play, it's like sleep. It's like yeah. five minutes later. Oh, how are you sleeping? It's, it's like mastered if that we get switch. ramped up, we can't sleep that night. Like we're we're like it's just really they they've mastered the sympathetic parasympathetic upregulation downregulation play relax right. Yeah. Um, when we say mastered it, it's natural. It should yeah. be it should happen in humans, but we've we've got these you know technology has basically hacked our ability to get into downregulation because there's always unlimited stimulation available and we're overstimulated in general with stressors. Um, or with with something novel that has basically short-circuited our brain to always want, you know, that dopamine bump from looking at that novel thing on Instagram or whatever it is. And just, yeah, the way he worded that was very cool. And I think um, just the, like you said, the variety of movement, right? Like there was an One, obstacle course where you were climbing stuff. There was, uh, we were doing these crawling sessions. We did beach workout uh, with Tyler. Like it was very cool. One thing I liked about it, cool. so a concept that I want to touch on is that because we were stretch reduction is the next thing we'll talk about but because we were less stimulated and less stressed from all these other sources like you know all of your shit that you have to deal with back home we had more almost reserve to physically stress ourselves so less psychological stress of the day-to-day grind more chance to physically stress ourselves so one of tyler's concepts that he tried to get across is like 
let's push ourselves a little bit. So in his sessions, it was like, let's, let's work, right? Let's, mm-hmm. let's see if we can. And again, part of the theme was push yourself, right? Don't try to compete with everyone else, but I want you to be honest with yourself. And I want you to see once I get a little tired here, can I push a little bit beyond that? Right. Yeah. Can I see how far I can push myself? Uh, and each day kind of explore that a little bit, um, explore the discomfort. And, and, and that's really, it was helpful because, you know, we did this big and Tyler engineered it. Well, we did this big run up this hill to get to the retreat one day. Um, there was the first workout was pretty intense too. He put us through, through hell to finish off one day and it was like 30 degree heat. But at the end of that, do you remember how relaxed everybody was yeah everyone was no one was talking for about 15 minutes everyone was just first five minutes just walking around trying to get their breath but then everyone was just super chill and that translated through almost the rest of the day everyone's like Mm -hmm. just you know all the state just dropped because we went through kind of an intense session um and everyone and that's what he said push yourself to your limits i don't care if you do five squats here or if you push yourself to 15 Mm -hmm. it's you're pushing yourself beyond where you think you're capable of um, so that really allowed us to kind of test the physical stress limits. And I don't think a lot of people have the energy or uh, even the ability to do that as much as they should. And because we're already to the brim in, in stress here, we're already filled our cup right up. Yeah. So any workout you get, it's like, oh, let's fit a workout in, right? And then you just go half-assed in your workout. And it's just this thing where you, or you push where you, yourself over or you push threshold. yourself over the edge and, and you don't realize you're just burning yourself out. Yeah. Um, but again, I think that part of it also fed into the sleep like those days where we did the those uh those heavy workouts and the the movement filled days it was like well i'm really tired both i'm gonna eat more ties into the diet thing because i'm hungry i feel like i need it and then I'm, I'm really tired so i gotta get a restful sleep that night and i woke yeah. up fresh but i was i needed to sleep because i was actually physically tired exactly your body was was demanding sleep because yeah. it, it it showed you it needed the recovery mm-hmm. um, i think another thing with the movement part you know all the pathways between all the individual parts, whether it's between the area that we ate in or the shala or or that kind of grassy um, area or that the kind of turf area or the gym. And when we say gym, it's bit, we call it the prison yard because it's an outdoor kind of square. There are squat racks. Instead of barbells, you have logs. Um, you have kettlebells. You have these makeshift kettlebells that are logs with handles on them. You have monkey bars. We found a place to fix up uh, a slack line. Like it was a very cool, natural outdoor workout area. Um, and there was still, you know, those rings you could hang on. Like it was, just, it was, it was a very cool area that was very simple, but had everything you need to be able to blast yourself with a good workout if you feel like doing that. Um, but between each of these areas was uh, gravel path, right? Like there wasn't a huge amount. In the main areas, there were smooth uh, floors, but, you know, one thing we said, and we, you know, our portion was basically break down our five part, five blocks of the seminar into each day. And then we had a bonus day at the end where we kind of tried to tie everything together. The opportunity to go barefoot and see what your threshold is, right? Like starting mm-hmm. off with people not being able to spend much time barefoot because it almost hurts because they're not used to it to by the end of the week, spending more time. You saw more and more people going barefoot on those paths and not going like, oh, ah, and like walking all weird. And I think developing a tolerance, you can see it in the course of five days or seven days or whatever it was, developing a tolerance to texture under your foot. Mm-hmm. which is super cool. And I think that ties into the movement part where it's like, you're just re- not only are you reconnecting by just like touching the actual planet instead of having some shoe between you and the ground, but you're actually seeing the progress in terms of movement and being able to move barefoot um, just by, you know, like we even told people, bring your shoes, don't leave your shoes there. If you need them, put them on. 
um, but see how well you can do in terms of building that tolerance up. So I think that was really cool too. You're desensitizing your yourself, your body a bit. Yeah, right, and and, we, and you know, like we give the analogy of okay, if you're if you have a hearing problem, you're deaf your whole life. The minute you get a hearing aid that allows you to hear, the first thing you hear probably sounds like someone's screaming in your ear, and that's not because someone is screaming in your ear and they're going to damage your eardrum. It's because your body has just gotten used to this kind of level of sound where it has almost an intolerance to to loud sounds and until you desensitize it and start to get more and more um, sound sensation coming in like your body has to basically kind of reshape its its normal and reshape its kind of pain threshold same thing with feet Mm -hmm. Um, so i think that was really cool and i think uh one other thing i'll slip in there too is just listening to your body is is that that the sun exposure was interesting because we were in the dry season there, so there was like absolutely no, not even one cloud in the sky I saw all week, yeah. um, 33 to 35 degrees. Um, but you'd get your sun in the morning and then in the, in more of the uh, late afternoon. And I really, that's what Alex said too. He's like, just feel it out. Go in the sun. When you feel like you're getting too much sun, get out of the sun a little bit. Yeah. And that's when I would kind of apply my you know sun lotion. If I knew we were going to be out in a session midday, I would definitely lather up. But I found it cool to just like, oh, your, your body can tolerate that sun, but there's a feeling of like when you feel like you're getting fried, you're getting fried, right? So, <laughs> yeah. so get out of like get out of it. And then each day you can tolerate a little bit more and you get again a natural sense of like how much can I tolerate or when do I need shade? And other animals do the same and that tree planting experience too. They're like half of the the reason why we're planting these trees is like we like the shade, but other animals rely on the shade too. And other plants. And, and other plants, right? So a lot of these other species just they do they do get sun even the crocodiles that we encountered they like to get a bit of sun but then they also like the shade right yeah. um and so, even the dogs the dogs would just the, the, there's kind of like wild dogs everywhere and when we went to the beach we were planting the trees there was a couple dogs there and they would instantly go over dig out like a little pit and lie down in the shade they mm-hmm. knew they knew they were getting too much sun and i think it's hilarious. We've gotten so detuned from understanding that threshold. You see some lobsters at the beach, people that are so fried and burned. It's like they have no recognition of what too much sun is. They have no respect <laughs> for the power of the, the radiation coming off that huge ball of fire. So uh, you're right. Like we spend a lot of time outside. Yeah. We applied sunscreen as needed. We didn't burn. No. Right. We had some days where we got more red, but then the next day, like it never peeled. It was never like a serious burn where it was painful. And you just, you self-regulate and you see okay, today I got a bit too much sun. Tomorrow I'm going to get less. I'm going to cover up more. I'm going to put some more lotion on, whatever it is. So, yeah, yeah Because usually right. the, the mindset is like, let's go on a, in a you know beach vacation. Let's get as much sun as we can because we don't get <laughs> yeah. that back home. Let's lay in the sun on, a, on our backs all day and then we'll flip every half an hour. And it's like, let's just fry ourselves. Um, but it's weird. Yeah. When you listen to your body, you still get, we got a shitload of sun. We got it the right way. And we got it with, with using, you know, less like sun lotion and protection than we would usually need because we just listen to it. Yeah. Like maybe you start with 20 minutes the first day. Like, oh, maybe you <laughs> get out after that. That reminds me of one thing. I think before, like the week or two before we went, I watched a couple like um, space documentaries. And uh, and even like when we were in L.A., I went to the Griffith Observatory and went through and learned about the sun and the Big Bang and all that kind of stuff. But I really realized the potency of, of the sun, mm-hmm. of, of how powerful and how when left unchecked can be very harmful like you made a great point as we were watching the sunset one day you're like we're really just on a giant rotisserie getting cooked for 12 hours <laughs> yeah and then getting uh shaved for 12 hours but one thing that i noticed it was so funny after like the um cacao ceremony or before yeah 
after the cacao ceremony, as we're all watching the sunset, everyone's sitting down staring at the sun. And part of what went through my head was like, are we all destroying our eyeballs right now? Because everyone's <laughs> staring at a sunset, yeah. staring at a ball of fire. I don't know if it, I have to kind of research that because I was like, I'm going to look away from the sun because I feel like it's not good for me. Um, but <laughs> it's just, a, and then that croc thing. So we went stand up paddleboarding one day through uh, kind of marshes, like the tide, the tidal mangroves. area, the mangrove uh, where salt water starts to mix with uh, fresh water and where the tide is like huge. It was like a three or four foot tide. So we were 20 feet away from a 12 foot crocodile. On paddle boards. On paddle boards. And I was like, I felt a bit uneasy at the start. But then Junior, the guy that was guiding us, was like, yeah, her nest is over there. Stay on the opposite side of the river. You'd be fine. And it's like this 12-foot dinosaur that could chomp away at any of us is just within 20 feet of us. And he's his relax, his calmness brushed off on me. And I was like, okay, this is cool. We're just coexisting with this massive animal. But, but I remember I the, person, the, the person in the back was kind of in the middle of the river. And I, he got right, like, he, he got he, he got kind of, he's like, Stay to stay to the left. He said it a few times, and then he's like, "Stay to the stay to the left." Yeah. And so he, he'd raise his and was like, "Oh, okay, it is kind of serious." Yeah, he, it is like, still a crocodile, calm, but don't go over there. Like, yeah. come on. That was funny. And he's pointing at all the croc nests, and there's like four or five of them along the path we were going. I was like, "Holy shit!" There's like, you know, dinosaurs roaming around in here, and he he just coexists with the environment. He's lived in the jungle. He coexists with the jungle. It was very, mm. it was cool to sense his calmness. Whereas most people would be freaking out, you know, when we were surfing, like you, you said you looked down one day as you were sitting on your board waiting for a set and you're like, oh, uh, a shark. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it was like a small shark. And it's just, you learn to be like, okay, it's not a threat. Nothing bad happened. We're just coexisting. It's not out here to, to eat me and destroy me. Um, he, Junior even said, he's like, yeah, the crocs are very sheepish. They'll actually, if you go near them, they'll try and swim away. Mm-hmm. Whereas I think, I think the perception of most people um, is that like, if you go close to one, it's going to swim up to you and bite you. You know, mm-hmm. we all watch way too much National Geographic where wildebeest are just getting destroyed by, you know, 15-foot crocs. But it just changed my perception a little bit. It was kind of cool. Um, I think the next one, we already kind of touched on it, is stress management. And I think as a pillar of health, stress management does not mean elimin- – it's not stress elimination, right? Like I think stress – we talk about this all the time. Stress is an important element to being healthy. And – you know, one thing that you always mention is, yeah, psychologically, we're super stressed. So our ability to take in and consume physical stress is lower, right? Mm-hmm. You think about your stress cup in a day, it's a cup that you're allowed to fill. But if you go over the brim, you overstress yourself. And I think most of us, you know, have so much stress during the course of a day that by the end of the day, the cup is full and we don't have any space to be able to exert ourselves physically and, and feel a little bit more engineered stress. Whereas here, it's like, you had so little, you know, the the inability to consume a ton of screen time, the fact that you're in the jungle, you don't have all these day-to-day things to think of, you know, bills to pay or gassing up your car or whatever, all these micro stressors that add up, you didn't have any of that. So physically, you could blast yourself and you didn't push yourself over the limit. That's the conundrum too, because a lot of people, if you are over overstressed uh, psychologically, like you say, and you don't have that energy to exert yourself physically, the the trick is that, if you once you do exert yourself physically, it helps with the other. It helps control the other stresses, like the psychological part. Because we mentioned, you do a hard workout, and everyone is so relaxed after. Yeah. Because it's that natural, like exert, relax after. That's the down regulation part of it. 
So it's this weird mismatch. And I think we just have, we've shifted way too high in the psychological category and way too low in the physical category. We need some sort of middle balance. And the more you can balance that out, then the more you can tolerate actually, that's the counterintuitive part. You can tolerate this more psychological stress if you do just prioritize that physical stress. But you also have to listen to your body. And that's something that I've had to get better at recently. Even if you're doing some heavy weight training, like even here, it's like, hmm, like I, I feel just my system. I probably shouldn't push it as much today or even for the next few days. Yeah. And I'm not, I used to be angry at myself for that because again, back to that, we're so silly. We we like to follow programs and structure everything. My program says do this today, but I don't feel like it. Listen to the feel of it, right? Yeah. Um, and don't feel guilty or mad at yourself for not doing what it says on your sheet that day yeah. because you're being smart about it. And in the long run, you're going to get way more out of your training if you just listen to that. Um, so listening to your, and that happened a few times on the retreat too, when we pushed ourselves hard and, and everyone felt their, their, you know, we did a lot of jumping that first day, jumping, landing footwork, the boxing session with Stephanie, um, our session. So after that, like I felt my calves the next day and yeah, I was, I felt kind of fried as a, as a whole. And if you feel fried, you know, yeah. a lot of people there like, that, oh, maybe that physical. So we kind blasted. of felt that. And, and then we naturally led our session accordingly we're like hey does everyone else feel like this everyone's like yeah i can okay we feel that we need to kind of do something a little so we adjusted on the on the fly and we kind of did a more restorative session right and that's what we needed so don't go to what we planned go to what we feel and what Mm -hmm. we need Uh, and then as i felt that kind of go away then we pushed ourselves later in the week again because we we were kind of rejuvenated so it's listening to yourself specifically, because um, everyone's different, obviously. But even myself, I felt kind of, ooh, I'm pushing myself a little bit, right? Yeah. Um, and getting better at self-regulating. People suck at self-regulating because unless their Fitbit tells them they got to relax, they don't know that they have to relax. Mm-hmm. So we got to just retune with our body and become more intuitive with how it feels and what it needs instead of always needing technology to tell us what we need. So exactly. And I think the physical part is way easier to, you can almost learn about stress from the physical aspect of it. Cause like, oh, I push hard. I feel that I'm fried. I'm tired. My calves hurt, whatever hurts. So doing it back. Right. But we don't, we're not so good at, at like, I'm feeling stressed psychologically back home. Oh, like that feeling that I'm getting that I'm just kind of overwhelmed right now. There's too much going on. Like, listen to that, too. That's like the overtraining aspect, right? Mm-hmm. So maybe if you take a day off and, and you do something, uh, don't, don't again, don't get angry at yourself. Like, don't be like, oh, I should be working today. Well, no, you've listened to yourself and say you need a little break so that you can then work in the long run more productively. Yeah. But again, we just kind of push ourselves to the limit psychologically. And, so I think... Um, talking with Alex, too, like stress management also boils down to exposing yourself to a stressor and being better at controlling your reaction to that stressor. Mm-hmm. So like a really hard... Like that hill run or the obstacle course, pushing yourself. You get better at controlling your breath, controlling your mind, being able to push through some of these like hard barriers. Uh, one thing that uh, we talked to Alex about and that they're gonna we're gonna include next year is cold exposure, right? Mm-hmm. So getting some cold tubs, doing some ice baths, certain days to just expose yourself to this physical stressor and get better at mentally. You know, that's like mental strength training, right? Put yourself in a bath filled with ice and cold water. That's mental strength training because you're not going to get physically harmed. But in order to not freak out, you have to have better control over your mind. You have to watch your emotions yeah. because your emotions will tell you to, to get the fuck out. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but you have to, you just have to watch that and, and that it makes you watch that. And then even in the hard work is to get through the harder workouts, you need to, you need to watch yourself. You yeah. can't be you can't be in it because you again, if you're in it, you're going to be told to stop. Um, the easy part is just to stop. But 
and, and yeah. being able to check yourself and be an observer and be like, okay, this is why I'm feeling this. I know it's not an actual physical threat. I'm going to try and relax my mind. That trickles over to making you better at dealing with the psychological stresses of every day so that you're mm-hmm. like, okay, I'm feeling anxious. Uh, my, my breath is out of whack. You know, I, I feel like I'm just kind of lost wandering around. I don't have any sense of focus. Okay, this is why. I'm going to go for a 10-minute walk. I'm going to breathe. I'm going to reset my brain. I'm going to use the tools that I started to train and uh, use the tools that I sharpened up when I went into cold water or when I did a hard workout. And I'm going to apply those tools in that training to just controlling my day-to-day mental state. And if it means having to take 10 minutes to just go for a walk or do whatever, that can allow you to refocus, can allow you to just kind of bring your whole system down a couple levels. And I think people just aren't good at that. And they just get redlined 24-7 and then their sleep suffers and then their relationships suffer and then their body suffers, all this kind of stuff. So it just yeah. sharpens those tools. You have to be good at um, disconnecting from uh, from being in it and have to look at it from above. So you have to observe that. And you have to, like, like you say, like observe the emotion that you're in like the emotion of being in fear or anxiety or or just overwhelmed or whatever emotion you're feeling you can't once you're in it you're you're stuck yeah so you'd be like oh look at me i'm i'm feeling this way oh, okay this makes sense now because oh, oh it all makes sense right because i've been working so and so amount I, my sleep's been shitty okay that makes sense now what do i need to do to change that yeah um now so it, it but the whole point is that in order to do this you have to be uh aware you have to have that awareness and you have to make awareness a priority and being there is like a high dose of awareness because you can almost look at yourself back home and be like oh okay it all makes sense right you have this different perspective on it yeah um but that's huge for people because you once again it's just this blinding emotions can be blinding because and once you're in them they kind of engulf you and people don't know how they got there they're going on this crazy path and then they're like oh it's shit. like quicksand once you're yeah. in it you're you're almost screwed unless mm-hmm. you take an external view or or find a road out so stress management encompasses um i think doing like maybe you could look at like micro um Th- on a micro level and a macro level like micro level might be that like little like that's where meditation is really good but anything that involves you just getting outside disconnecting and, and getting awareness to how you're feeling um and just getting away and disconnecting like a walk a 10 minute walk is another way of doing that on a micro level on a macro level you might be well the retreat as a whole was a more of a macro level you go away for seven days and you have a full-on stress reduction week where you feel that your state has calmed way down and you're like oh and then you the key is like feel the differences in the state because then you can remember that be like oh i remember how i felt that way because i did this this and this and it's a structure stress reduction week overall but it has a lot of engineered stressors that's the interesting part so it's about like a it. double it's like a double whammy it's like it's yeah. interesting how calm you feel when you've been pushing yourself mm-hmm. physically right yeah it's and even weird. there was a couple stress management like yeah we went hard and we did the intense stuff but um you know like when we were surfing we'll go on a surf session and when you're catching a wave it's intense but you have these big lulls in between where you're just relaxed sitting on your board waiting for sets to come in there's a bunch of other people around you no one's speaking everyone's just looking out into the ocean that for me was like that's a form and i think the word meditation has this negative connotation for a lot of people i did a post on that last week where i was like meditation doesn't mean some um monk sitting there for eight hours not speaking in some weird lotus position meditation is standing on a balance beam for 10 minutes meditation is sitting on your board for five minutes between sets not saying anything just breathing you know it's just disconnecting from this kind of technological machine that we seem to always be kind of sucked into um 
and it doesn't, you know, meditate. We did an actual well, think, meditation session. Exactly. I think the the corners, the keystone of meditation is just the being aware. Um, you have to be aware of. You have to be that observer. That's the meditation, right? So, yeah. so like that. And a, another thing that we did was that that sound therapy session, oh, that was which insane. was insane. But that again got you into a certain state. Um, so, like you say, we did push yourself hard, but we also got these doses of meditation, sound therapy. Um, when people were, had free time, generally we were just kind of lounging. And again, it's almost because you, you almost had to. Mm-hmm. So I felt the free time I was more relaxed and I was just kind of really chilling, just waiting around in the pool and it felt really good. So that's kind of the, the double-edged sword. Push yourself harder, but also relax harder. Um, and the surfing is the key analogy for that. It's like it's a fierce paddle out trying to get past that break some of those, some of those days. It's like, go, 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 go. So get smashed by wave. Go, 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 smash. And then it's like, calm. Now you just wait. Once you're past the break, now you have a, you can kind of collect yourself and you're just watching. Is this going to be good? Is that one going to be good? Mm-hmm. And so, so that's kind of, and then it's like, catch it again. Now you're on it. It's like, but then it's calm again. Yeah. So it's, it's very cool because it's up and down like that dog analogy that we talked about. Surfing is a perfect example of, of that from a human perspective. Very true. We had the restorative yoga too with Nikita where restorative yoga if anyone's not familiar with it, it's almost like some people call it sleepy yoga. So you essentially get into, you know, a subtle position and all you're doing for 10 minutes is just breathing and relaxing. And you could almost get into like this brainwave state where you're pretty much on the verge of sleep, right? Like the first one was lie down on your back on your mat, bring your legs towards one side of your mat, bring your arms towards the same side. So you're in like kind of this banana position and you just literally lie there for 10 minutes. It was, it was actually very cool and very interesting. You only do about four or five poses. They're very easy poses. You do them to whatever level you want. You have like blocks and, and a bolster and all that kind of stuff. But that was a super relaxing. You leave there and you're so mellowed out. You just leave there and you're just like smiling and your whole body's relaxed. And you're like, wow, that just, that just changed my mental wiring mm-hmm. that one hour session. The sound session. Okay, this was this blew my mind. Because I went into this, I'm like, oh, God, some dude's going to rub crystal bowls and fuck, and like, damn it, I'm trying not to swear, and like play all these different instruments. This is going to be kind of silly. It was so powerful. The way, and I think what made it powerful was him describing it as it went on. And then at one point, he just said, I'm going to do this. I just want you to relax. And he'll walk around, he'll play certain different instruments, different vibrational instruments. At the end of that, I was amazed. Because half of it, he's like, yeah, you can either tune into the instruments I'm playing or you can just tune into nature. And with no one else speaking, I literally, for 10 minutes, I think, entered into a dialogue between two birds where they were talking to each other. And I was, mm-hmm. you just get lost in it. And I think... And the waves crashing in the background and all the that. The waves crash, everything. The tree, the wind and the trees and all that kind of stuff. And to the average person, and to me, if someone described this to me like a month ago, I would have been like, yeah, yeah, whatever, you hippie. Like, it's okay. Um, but it really, once you were in it, it's the kind of thing where you can't describe it. We're not going to do it justice by talking about it now. But when you experience it and you go there and you do it and, and you're in this kind of environment and the whole week is kind of wrapped around this experience, um, this is just part of the experience of that whole week, it was... It was awesome. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I want to do a podcast with that guy, Sabo, um, because, you know, he, number one, this dude hasn't worn shoes for four years. Yeah. And his story, his story was hilarious when someone stole, like, instead of just stealing his flip-flops on the beach when he was surfing, he had this, like, brand new pair of flip-flops. And instead of stealing them, he came back and instead of his brand new ones, they were just like an old crappy pair. He's like, someone just traded up and, and, and he's like, you know what? I'm not going to buy another brand new pair. I'm just going to start spending more time barefoot. Um, his story was very cool. I'm going to do a um, phone podcast with him at some point because his perspective, 
you know, apparently he used to be like a, a high level corporate guy with like a North Face or something like that mm-hmm. and just started getting rid of stuff and was like, this is a way better way of life. So I want to get his perspective. That was super cool. So that was stress management. It doesn't mean stress elimination. It just means engineering stressors, you know, psychological, physical. One thing I want to touch on is that when after the week, and I've been better at this, not just this, this time, but in, in past, um, in past few times I've gone away is that when you get back to your normal life, um, ease into it. And I've, and I've had to like, for instance, the past few days I've felt you can't just go from, from like complete relaxation to hundred percent go, 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 go. And a lot yeah. of us do. And that's when I've, I've looked back in my past and when I've gotten sick in the past, uh, like got a cold or whatever is, is that transition from relaxation to go, 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 go. Cause it almost feels like you need to go harder because you've missed out on, uh, on a week. It's like a shock to your system. So again, it's like, don't feel bad. I, I haven't, I've just done some gentle mobility the past couple of days. I've got, I've prioritized some sleep. I've, I've realized, okay, well you can't, you know, grind out some crazy days right now because you're feeling, and now I'm starting to get kind of a tune after three days back in and you can start to slowly ramp up. Yeah. And, and it's like, or else you're just going to get sick. And then you're going to shut yourself down for another week, right? Yeah, exactly. And that's happened to me countless times looking back. And I always just thought like, oh, fuck, I get sick again. Um, but but again, it's, it's because of that. You need to just mind your states and just kind of ramp up, ramp down, take it gradual. Because again, on the, on the other end of things, it took us a few days to ramp down when we were, when we were going away. We were kind of you know, hyper the first few days. You're used yeah. to that. You're used to one state. And then when you put yourself in another state, it takes you a little while. And all the locals kind of look at you funny the first few days. They're like, who is this guy? He's very anxious, right? Yeah. He's like, calm down. Like everyone's just North yeah. America style. Like go, 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 go. Exactly. Calm it down. So the last pillar... So we talked about sleep, talked about nutrition, movement, stress management. The last <clears throat> pillar is community. And you could call it, you know, community, relationships, um, you know, whatever you want. But I really think that being in, you essentially create a micro community, right? Like the place we were staying at is called Arreo del Sol. It was about 30 minutes from Nosara in Costa Rica. And you're there with this group of people. So at the start of the week, you you essentially start this one week um kind of journey or whatever you want to call it with this group of people and they are your community for the next week so whether it was eating meals where you kind of switch around and you sit at a table each night the table is a little bit different uh, with different people so you have conversations whether it's the group workouts right well like when everyone's redlining their body to their to their own individual limit there is a community bond that develops there where like when one person's struggling, you encourage them. You're like, ah, good job. Well done on that. I saw you push yourself super hard. Like, I saw that. That was good. There's this kind of community effect where everyone is at their different level, but everyone is pushing together, and you almost feed off everyone else's energy mm-hmm. to try and push yourself harder. You know, like I remember on the hill run, I was kind of slacking because I was dying because um, it was so sunny, and I, I think I didn't drink enough water that day. And then I saw someone walk by me, but they were more exerted than me. And I was like, wow, that person's literally pushing themselves harder. So I got into a run and I had this almost like adrenaline rush, like someone just injected me with adrenaline, where I saw that person pushing themselves harder than I was pushing myself, mm-hmm. right? Their push was a walk. My push might have been a run, but they were literally physically exerting themselves more than me. And I was like, shit, I got to get going, right? Mm-hmm. So you get this community effect there. Um, the dance sessions or the, um, the partner play sessions and even that cacao ceremony where we all sit around a fire, you drink cacao and then we essentially as soon as the sun set, we did an hour of like dance on that, yeah. on that, like that was a community building thing, mm-hmm. right? You just feel this like group energy. And I think, um, 
relationships, community. It made me want to connect better with my like small community, like family community, almost back home after being in a community like that and feeling like, wow, that was a t- that there was like a tight unspoken bond amongst all these people um, that yeah. I think we disconnect from because you don't get that when you communicate to someone through a, a cell phone. No, and we get we live in a disconnected and selfish world. Like it's just we're the most disconnected we've ever been, and and well, we're, we're also the most connected. Like it's, it's weird, because but disconnected from our from people uh, from that it, it's that that we're the most disconnected from. Yeah, I know the, what you mean. That, um, no, yeah, it's superficial, right? But we're also like we're we're also just it's this. I think it's just the culture has created like self centeredness, and we need to we need to get the community is the actual opposition of self centeredness. It's just like connecting with people and feeding off of each other and looking out for each other. Like yeah. that's 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 key. Um, so yeah, it, it's like we're we feel like we're kind of like you say we're we're it's a fake connection. It's yeah. just a it's a fake connection, and we think, um, but there's no actual connection because the actual connection is fa- it's face to face. You you can't. I don't care what you what you say. It's 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 only face to face where you get an actual connection with somebody. Yeah, you don't get it through technology. We I can agree. we can say we we get it, but we don't. Um, so whatever that is, if if you're whenever you're face to face with somebody, you're gonna actually make a bigger impact on on each other and you're going to feel get that feel right well the dimension like you do get so the the verbal communication element or or even just the communication element period is a very it's one term with a lot of yeah. kind of dimensions right when i communicate when i send you a text message i'm communicating with you yeah. but i'm getting the most superficial layer of communication possible yeah. when i speak to you on the phone I'm going a slightly layer deeper because there's intonation in my voice now. There's um, context. There's there's just way more. There's more stuff. There's more dimensions to that communication. But I'm still missing out on facial, nonverbal communication. Mm-hmm. Missing out on touch. That's a big one. When you yeah. hug someone, something happens in your brain, whether it's an oxytocin release. Like, you know the feeling. When you give someone a hug and it's like two, three seconds longer than it usually is and you're like... Okay, I just felt something. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like it's it's different. You get a you and get even the facial full dimensions. A step these like you can be on a screen with somebody, but until you're you don't get the feel when you're when you're face to face or in a room with somebody, you can get their feel. If they're in a bad mood, if they're in a good mood, you can feel it. You don't yeah. get that over a screen, right? So even faces can be kind of. So it, it's it was key because that the most communication was going on. Like I didn't talk to anybody on the phone. I didn't talk to anybody. Um, you know, I hardly texted anybody. Like all that kind of stuff was put to the side, and all you got was that that like real connection, right? And then yeah. that that's that's what makes you kind of feel a certain way. So I think that's that's huge because that's what everybody is missing a lot of these days. And and I think, but that it's just for your health. It's really really good. Yeah. Like it's just. Um, and it's hard because again, the society in like a, like this Western culture is like set up so that all of these things we've just talked about are it's hard to to do. Yeah. But it's all simple stuff. It's I so know. simple. Um, it's hard. Yeah, it should be easy to eat nutrient dense fresh food. It's hard. Yeah. Because we've gotten disconnected from growing our own food. It should be easy to have this physical sense of community. But we we are all so siloed and busy in our own lives and live in our own dwellings that are separate from everyone else. Maybe you got to drive to go see your parents or something. That's a barrier. Like mm-hmm. we, we create these artificial barriers to, um, to community, to sleep. Like it was just so many. It really, you leave there and on the flight home, like, wow, society as we have it right now is engineered to make all of these pillars hard to achieve. And that's why it's hard to achieve health, right? <laughs> yeah, that's why it's so. That's why health is such a big industry because it's just so hard to 
achieve it, but it's so simple. It should, it, and it should be simple for for people. But it's it's simple. That's that's again the, the double edged sword. It's simple, but in the in society as we know it, it's, it's not, hard. It's not easy. Yeah, it, it's very. It's hard to do. It's easy to say it. It's hard to do it. So so that's kind of the key there, and it, it takes some effort to really say like, okay, I know. Because everyone listening to this will be like, well, yeah, that's great. Like, I know that would be healthy for you, but how can I how can I implement how that I into yeah. the key is bringing elements of that back into your own life and figuring out how you can engineer your own life in ways that, um, again, you, it, it it is what it is. Um, you, it's not going to be, you know, as as crazy as a good experience as that was. There's also the calling to like, okay, let's get back to yeah. my goals and my missions, right? Because I like I couldn't do that if you said, hey, do that for the rest of your life. That's all you're gonna do. It's not. I would say, right well, now. no, that's not. That's not gonna be fulfilling. I still need to um, do some of uh, accomplish some of my goals and missions in life. But I think there's there's some sort of middle ground that you need to find. Yeah. And taking elements of what you learned from the experience and implementing them here, which will make everything um, go smoothly and better. But. For everybody, everybody's going to be different. Everybody has. I think that generally we need to really kind of get better at downregulating as a whole society um, and just listening to these natural things a bit more, yeah. regardless of who you are. And that right. was the purpose of that. That kind of, I was really happy that we had, so we had the five blocks and then kind of midweek they're like, you know, we have this bonus block at the end of the week. It's not being filled instead of free time. Do you guys want to do an extra session? And I think that session was really good and almost mandatory, and we have to do it included again next year because that was an opportunity. And I think next year, like basically we just talked about how do you take, okay, it was great to fully immerse ourselves in this experience. It was an awesome experience. How do we take parts of this that we've learned and implement them into our life when we go back home? Because that's really Mm -hmm. where, that's really the purpose of this, right? Okay, yes, it's a unique experience, but it's one out of 52 weeks. So how do you get the other 51 weeks to include some of the healthy things that you discovered this week? And I think next year, one thing that we should do is get everyone to say one thing that they're going to implement, mm-hmm. because I think that will give other people ideas of, you know, everyone's going to say something different. Oh, I, I know that I feel better when I eat this type of food. I'm going to go out of my way to look more for this type of food and eliminate some of the shitty food. Mm-hmm. Or I'm going to focus on eight hours of sleep because I felt way more fresh when I woke up. Whatever yeah. it is, I think if everyone shares one little tidbit, I think other people will be like, oh, I can do that too. Be- as a small scale. Because it takes something like that to actually feel it. Um, because you can tell somebody on paper, yes. you can tell somebody exactly you should eat this way, and they're like, "Yeah, I know you should eat this way." Yeah. But <laughs> once you once you actually feel it from a personal level, then you know it's like, yeah. "Oh, now I'm lying to myself because I actually felt better that week." Yeah. Now I'm just lying to myself, so I have to. I'm going to go out of my way and try to do that. And Jeff, I love Jeff Shub when he says that. He's like, "The only way you can prove something is to prove it to yourself." The only way you can change is to prove something to yourself. And that's so true. Like you said, everyone knows they should eat better. But they don't feel it's a big enough priority because they haven't actually fully immersed themselves into experiencing the full benefits. Like prove it to yourself. They haven't felt it. Exactly. It's like going barefoot. It's like you don't know how good your feet can feel and how connected you can feel in your movement until you actually start going barefoot or wear footwear made for humans. Mm -hmm. So, So that touches on the five pillars. Um, and and kind of gives a bit of exposure as to what different parts of this retreat kind of tapped into in terms of those pillars. And I think it touched on a lot of them, whether we realize it at the time or not. So where do we go from here? Next year, we're going to go do it again. Like we said, probably about 15 spots I think we're going to have uh, take on with TFC because we we had, I think, 25 or 27 people total. Um, the place fits 40. So there's room for more people. And there's, um, I think, with more lead time, you know, number one, 
you know, we're going to sit down with Tyler and we even did it while we were there. It's like, there's some improvements we can make for next year. Number one, cold exposure, Mm -hmm. right? Number two, I think engineered challenges throughout the week and giving people like a little book where they can take notes, um, you know, at the start of the week, if we did the obstacle course and everyone timed it, and then we did it two other times throughout the week. And your goal is to improve your time each time. That's Mm. a cool challenge. It gives people like a motivation beyond just, okay, go out and do a hard run run, hill run or the hill run time at once at the start once. Exactly. You know, and writing these things down. So I think, um, you know, the sweat lodge, we didn't get around to it, but I think that would be a super cool experience. Mm, I talked to Alex, I talked to Alex about that on the podcast I did with him, which should be airing today, actually. Um, You know, a session on sleep education, I think is mandatory. It'll make us learn more about sleep and how to explain it to people. And And I think a couple uh, of those almost like down regulation sessions, like that sound healing was cool. So maybe one other kind of like you're getting the state again down regulated yep. um, because that I think that was probably one of the more impactful things. So I agree. Um, and then a physical element. That. So they said that they're going to get uh, mats because they want to start tapping into uh, being able to cater to like the Brazilian jiu-jitsu, the BJJ community, mm-hmm. because they're in Central America below. You have Brazil above, you have the US and there's both huge BJJ communities there. So they want to tap into that. But having some element of roughhousing or grappling or BJJ or whatever it is, like we did the boxing thing with Steph, which was awesome. Um, and I think having an element of like physical roughhousing, like mm-hmm. we said, play like dogs play by physically pushing themselves to the point where they see what their limit is without harming each other physically, but seeing where that limit is, having something like that. So lots of improvements that we have in mind for next year of how we can architect and engineer the week in a way that even does more justice to these individual experiences. Um, so stay tuned for an announcement um, in the coming months as to what the date's going to be. I think we already have the date. It's like Feb 15 to 22 um, yeah. next year, but uh, we'll do it in a way that structures it a little bit more. And then in 2021, we're going to do one uh, with TFC, a much bigger one where we'll have uh, more availability in terms of spaces. But it really was um, like you're still almost in like the after afterglow of the experience. We're still pretty close to it. But I really think it, it had some kind of meaningful stuff that both I think you and I both learned where it's like, okay, we got to get better at this or we got to focus more on this. And I think everyone had those little kind of takeaways. So um, anyway, hopefully that gives you guys a little bit of an outlook on the five pillars um, and the value of doing something like, a you know, instead of instead of paying whatever it is couple grand to go on an all-inclusive and drink and go to the beach all day there are experiences that have been cultivated that combine like literally you leave being healthier having a better understanding of personal health instead of leaving and needing like two three days to basically detox from the alcohol in the sun Mm -hmm. Uh, and i think it's you know once people know that this exists you know i think i think it, it will blast up in terms of popularity and i think this year was their first full year where they did multiple retreats at this location and they're already saying like yeah the demand is big and we're mm. starting to book up a year two years in advance so i think um i think it's something that we're going to get involved with every year because mm. it was too powerful to not want to do this every year for sure so anyway hope you guys enjoyed that one we'll catch you next week <laughs>